Davis is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself as Martinez 5. He yeah. is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out. Tie of the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour here on July 25th. And as Caleb points out, the Royals are just one game back of first place. July 25th, only one game out. Give it a week and we'll be... uh, Mathematically eliminated. I'm pretty sure they can't be mathematically eliminated until like the last week of the year because over half the league <laughs> makes the playoffs. There's a lot that happened. That's this true. Week. That's true. This was so the the jokes about the Royals not making it into the playoffs and being eliminated were before they added six more teams. Not only were they already tired and old and tread, but yes, that's that's also true. <laughs> Uh, that's Caleb Henry, KLIN Sports Director, uh, with the beginnings of a man bun. I'm Cole Stukenholtz, your uh, KLIN Special Correspondent. We are here as the uh, what? What's what did the NCAA call it? The the early uh, the early practice period. Well, I'm just calling it the mi- the mini camp. Mini camp, yeah. The, the two week mini camp football, time, yeah. But they're not professionals still. They're still amateurs. Uh, that is uh, that is underway. We are in the midst of that. Even though a fellow Big Ten team. Uh, the entirety of that Big Ten team is under full lockdown. Yay, Sparty. Because of more, spe- more staffers testing positive. Um, you've got another professional sports leagues restarting. Uh, another one starts before next week's show. And uh, the NCAA kicks the can down the road. We've got some multiple football commits. There's a lot. Once again, it's it's you know there haven't been sports until just recently, but we always have something to talk about. And um, today's no exception. Uh, I do want to start with this, though. Um, Nebraska football has had some defections lately, uh, and, and, and not every show, I feel like. Uh, when we convene here on Saturday, there's been one that's happened, and like, oh, goodness, another, somebody else is in the transfer portal. And there is somebody else in the transfer portal, and we'll get to that, too. Yeah. But having lost two incoming true freshmen who were pretty highly rated recruits, both from the defensive backfield, both presumably would have played cornerback. And both would have had a chance for some playing time. Certainly. Uh, that was all of a sudden a position of, of uh, a little bit of depth issues, a little bit of uh, immediate need that you wouldn't be able to fill for this season. Not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso would say. Ooh. Because late last night, there was the third commit of the week, but not for 2021, not for 2022 even, Caleb, but for the class of 2020, the Huskers get the number one junior college defensive back in the country for 2020 to commit to them, and he will be able to play this year with three years of eligibility remaining. He said, uh, oh, you guys are into that mini camp? Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, get it going. Looks like Nebraska and the Big Ten might be playing some football. I want to play there. Now, he's had a wild ride, um, and and we're talking about uh, did you say Nadab Joseph? I've been saying Nadab. You can say whatever you want. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. We'll have to get Keith on the line and figure out really quickly how to pronounce <laughs> this because, yeah. uh, like you said, top JUCO in the country, uh, JUCO defensive back that gives Nebraska two of the top three defensive or two of the top three JUCOs 
going into this season at him with wide receiver Omar Manning, um, and he's going to be able to come in right away and play, and that wraps up what has been a really good week of recruiting because you had earlier in the week two other defensive backs, one of them technically an athlete, but you get uh, Marcus Buford from Connecticut uh, and Malik Williams from Georgia, both of those three stars, but that really, you, you think about the guys that were lost over the the course of, since the pandemic began, and then you say, oh, well, they went ahead and really quickly filled those holes. Yeah. This kid's two, uh, six foot two, 190 pounds. Originally, talking about Joseph, right? Yeah, Nadab Joseph, talking about him, uh, six foot two, 190, originally out of Miami. He was a top 100 commit out of high school. Uh, he's at different points been committed to both Alabama and Georgia. They were yeah. both still after him here after he spent a year at Independence Community College in Kansas. Uh, and, and like we said, the number one DB out of junior college, the third overall player out of junior college, right behind his new teammate Omar Manning. Uh, <laughs> and lo and behold, the Huskers have a couple of big additions out of the JUCO ranks. Uh, Ryan Held is uh, big into the junior college uh, life. He, he was a coach in that area for a long time. He's instrumental uh, in this in this recruitment. Travis Fisher is uh, his position coach, and it's Scott Frost, of course, uh, involved as well. Uh, he is going to be able to join. Um, he's enrolling. Um, uh, well, he's hopefully going to be enrolling. He may or may not still have some um, classes. I'm not a recruiting expert. That's why we have them on the show yeah. uh, to confirm such <laughs> things. Uh, but assuming he's here, uh, we talked just last week about the defensive backfield when our uh, position rankings were uh, rolling along. And he'll be able to get some contribution, I would think, on the fields, you know, assuming he's able to pick up the defense, assuming he's able to, to you know, fulfill all the other obligations that a, you know, a Nebraska football player has. You know, I, uh, I'd forgotten that this was happening, so I apologize to Kenny right now. We don't have a graphic that'll go for those watching on Facebook Live, but we're talking about recruiting and how big of a deal it is to get two of the top three JUCOs to come in for football. Um, you get those really good DBs to come in for next year. The recruiting class looks like it's shaping up. We haven't mentioned what volleyball's 2021 class is looking like. Sam McEwen has a really good article up, Omaha World Herald, detailing that from earlier in the week. But the 2021 class, not just the possibly the best recruiting class for Nebraska volleyball, but possibly the best recruiting class ever for that sport or any sport. I think Duke basketball did this a couple of years ago. The, the top three? Well, okay, just grabbing the top three, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But... You have to look at the rest of the class that sure. they're pulling in, too. But, yes, yeah, so Prep Volleyball came out with their latest rankings for what John Cook is bringing in for the 2021 class, bringing in for not this fall but next fall. The numbers 1, 2, 3, 10, 16, and 70. The closest that you can, you can think maybe Fab Five, where all five were in the top ten for Michigan in the 90s. They didn't win a championship. But if you look at Volleyball, which is probably a better comparison... You have to look at Stanford's recruiting class, their 2016 class. They won three championships. They had numbers 2, 3, 14, 22, and 31. They had five in the top 31. Nebraska has five in the top 16, four in the top 10, the top three overall. What can this class do? Now, you're going to see a lot of expectations, but also it's Nebraska volleyball. The expectations come with it. Yeah. So we got 
Shout out to our uh, our volleyball recruiting there. Yes, that's that's a good point. The the rankings just come out, and and that's pretty impressive what John Cook does, and and that's what we've come to expect from uh, Mr. Cook as well. Uh, back to football, where you've got uh, you know you've got some expectations there for this season, mm-hmm. and. I think with it being Big Ten only, uh, and we'll get to this with our position breakdown with uh, running backs and quarterbacks, you're not going to have to break in anybody new at the running back position like you did last year mm-hmm. when Dedrick Mills was, uh, he got, got off to a little bit of a slow start, let's be honest, and, and really picked up steam as the year went on. I think you feel encouraged by that. And Maurice um, Washington was getting run early on. That That was still when he was part of the team. Mm-hmm. So you didn't know who was getting all of the the touches in the backfield. You were trying to figure that out, and then Dedrick Mills. It was um, there were was it him or Washington that had some fumble issues early? It was Mills. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he so, was walking around in the hallway. Yeah, he was on campus. Yeah, he had to walk around campus with the with the football. He was daring all of us to knock it out of his hands. I'm actually. not messing with him. I'll tell you that right now. Not, I, I had a chance. I chose against. Especially not after watching the uh, Duval videos and everything. They're, I'm not yeah. challenging any of these guys. But then you saw Wondell Robinson have to step in and get a bunch of carries. So that backfield was it wasn't a mess, but you just really didn't have any consistency. You can probably expect some consistency with Dedrick Mills coming in now in year two of the system, which is a very different system for him, and we're, we'll get to this in the position yep. breakdown, but it does take some time to, to get used to it when you come from a power-running program like Georgia Tech to a spread program like Nebraska. Yeah, and and I say all that to you know come, come back to football to say the way that things are, are trending just – not just here at Nebraska, but nationwide, where you have a lot of uncertainty, uh, you have a lot of, you know, just not having any idea what the schedule is even going to look like. Mm-hmm. Right now, tentatively, Nebraska Purdue is supposed to happen September 5th. I would imagine the Big Ten's pushing all of that back to try to give things a little bit more time to clear up. Uh, but you got to, as a program, lean on what you know, and and you have to lean on your strengths even more now than you would in a normal year. And so having both of those positions a little bit more solid uh, with with Adrian Martinez hopefully fully healthy and another year behind him um, entering his junior season and then have having Dedrick Mills there um, able to move Wandale over to full-time wide receiver, um, those two positions can be more uh, of, of strengths as opposed to uncertainty. And, and having... The momentum in recruiting right now is is really good as well. I feel like at the start of the pandemic, uh, we were all still talking about how, oh my gosh, where are these recruits going to come in? Where are the commits? Uh, everybody was kind of starting to panic. And now you've had, I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you had three this week, two for the 2021 class. Yeah. Um, you got had, the quarterback. You've had a steady stream. Yeah, you've had Heinrich Harburg um, in May. You had a couple other commits in May. We had a couple the week of the 4th of July. I feel like we've been talking about every realistically other two yes. recruits just about every week. Yeah, every other week there's been at least one, I feel like, for yeah. the last two months. So there's momentum there. Uh, you've, you've got experience to lean on. And look, other programs in the Big Ten are going to deal with a lot of the same problems. Uh, hopefully not the same problem as Michigan State. Yeah. But knowing that Nebraska does have some strength to lean on, and you're going to have experience in important places, uh, especially for this offense, that's going to be a plus, and it's going to hopefully lend itself to just a 
just a slightly faster start this year than Scott Frost has been used to in his two seasons at Nebraska. Maybe just a little bit faster start. Uh, that would be, you know, positive, and it's not going to take much. That bar is very low uh, as far as the, the speed at which they're, they're starting under Frost. But that's something that's encouraging is you have experience in those spots and you won't have to rely on new guys to try to come in and pick it up really quick. Well, if, if we're looking for anything that's going to be consistent with this coaching staff, it's going to be that non-conference games are messed up. That 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 that's the that's the big thing with this coaching staff. You can expect Not that there's, again. there's going to be non-conference games, whether it's a, I don't know, a, a hurricane or a lightning storm come through. Yeah, it's it's if it's one, if it's not one thing, it's the other. Yeah, they had the the hurricane down at UCF in 2017, and yeah, we all remember uh, the Akron game that wasn't. So yeah, we we've got a lot of positive momentum in recruiting. If you look at that. Uh, and then the position previews today with the backs, uh, running back and quarterback, uh, those are those are positions of strength. And, and look, Nebraska is coming in with pretty low expectations when the Big Ten ran to uh, switched to conference only. Mm-hmm. I think Vegas moved their their over under win total to three and a half. Yes. So and and we don't. There's ten. The Big Ten didn't even announce how many games they're going to play within the conference either. Correct. Right? I, I think that I think Vegas was just assuming ten mm. when when that came out because you took off the three non conference games and I think Vegas had them was projecting was 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 the over under five and a half because it was saying five and a half six and a half yeah they six, were they were saying there. basically is Nebraska going to be bowl eligible is what it was coming down to yeah so you take away those two two to three and yeah you left with three and a half yeah so. That's what you're looking at. So relatively low expectations from the program, but still a lot of question marks elsewhere. Uh, somebody's somebody's going to be able to jump up and, and surprise people. And if, if Nebraska's able to do that, I think you're going to be pointing to uh, where they had a lot of experience. And, and the positions we're breaking down today, quarterback and running back, I think will be a big reason why. Well, um, there's, a, there's a lot. To, there's also NIL stuff we can talk about. Watch season continues. Former Husker wide receiver J.D. Spielman found a new home. Yep. A little bit of baseball news mixed in here. NCAA not making a decision yet. The NCAA kicked the can down the road. Who knew? What? Um, We'll tell you who is in the transfer portal as well for Nebraska. Somebody leaving the program. uh, And a big recruit for Husker baseball. Yes. Uh, We'll get to all of that. Uh, And uh, Chris Hetty as well. He's leaving the Omaha World Herald. This is going to be his last week coming up here as he uh, heads back down to Kansas to start his teaching career. A little Husker Hour send-off. Yep, so we will have him, his last appearance, next here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. We've had our share of people who come and go on this program. Different sports directors who have preceded Caleb Henry. Three of them, I think. Not, not with this top knot. That's a man bun. No, 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 no. I looked up the difference. Oh, you looked it up. Yeah, I wanted okay. to make sure it wasn't going to be a man bun. Are we sure it's not a man bun? Because I'm, I'm not sure. According to Google. All right, well, <laughs> that, that settles it. Um, and uh, another departure... 
not from the show in particular, but uh, from uh, from Nebraska, from the state, from uh, from the beat of Husker sports, and uh, from the Omaha World Herald soon uh, is uh, our friend Chris Hetty from the Omaha World Herald joining us for the final time here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Chris, good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm looking uh, at man bun on Google, and I gotta say, Caleb, I don't know. <laughs> World Herald's got different resources than what I've got on my phone. I'll, I'll say that. Wow. Google. Get Google down there in Lincoln. It's a different world down here. Um, well, hey, let's uh, let's start right here, and uh, uh, just before we address it later, uh, let's just address it now. I'll let you and Caleb talk about the new Taylor Swift album. Mm. Go. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, Exile, Betty, and Cardigan definitely re- right near the top. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I um. Don't know if I've embarrassingly um, shared this with you guys before, but I was actually um, named uh, most likely to marry Taylor Swift in high school. Oh, wow. Nice work. Yeah, I, I had a uh, me and a buddy uh, campaigned for it. I won by like a handful of votes. <laughs> you, you campaigned to, to win the that superlative? Absolutely, we did. We, knew we weren't <laughs> going to win anything else, so we might as well go for that. You know what I mean? Um one by handful of votes. So since then, I've felt like I okay, I needed to take a keen interest in her career. Last, uh, gotta tell you guys, last six years haven't gone great. Um, <laughs> but the la- but this 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 album is pretty good. I liked it. There were quite a few songs that I enjoyed. It'll be in a in the summer rotation. So I think it's okay. Well, that's that's perfect. Then as you uh, get into that summer rotation. And are moving down to Kansas with your wife, the one that you did marry, not Taylor Swift. Uh, t- <laughs> tell our listeners uh, where where you're headed, why you're leaving the World Herald. Yeah, so um, my wife and I are headed back to Kansas. Um, she got a job as uh, she's graduated uh, from Creighton uh, Pharmacy School, and uh, she got a job down at K State where she went to her undergrad, uh, and uh, she'll be a pharmacist down there. Um, so we're moving down to Manhattan. Um, in the meantime, I'm going back to school. I'm going back to, I'm going to KU. Um, so I'll be the third member of my family to actually both live in Manhattan and go to KU, which is weird. (laughs) Um, so I'll go to KU, go get my master's, um, going to grad school while while I'm doing that. I'll do BA, uh, graduate teaching assistant. So every year I'll have, uh, or every semester I'll have a new class to, TA and teach and, um, which is, you know, something I've always wanted to do. I've, my plan has always kind of been to write for like 10 years and, and then go teach. Um, and this timeline kind of sped up that obviously, but it's also something that it's a great opportunity for, for my wife and for myself. And, um, you know, I've really enjoyed my time in Nebraska. I've really enjoyed my time talking with you guys and, Covering the teams that I've covered, um, would have liked to have covered better ones, but you know, it, it is what it is. Um, and it was, but it was just, you know, time to, time to do something new. And we're really excited about getting down there and starting life in Manhattan. Very cool. We, uh, we at the, the K-Line Husker Hour and are, uh, are very happy for you and, uh, sad to see you go. Certainly. I think you've had a lot of that go around on, uh, on social media, a lot of, a lot of praise and rightfully so. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we have appreciated you on the show and, uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna appreciate you a little bit more here before you go one last time. Um, let's let's go to Husker basketball first. We've had uh, a little bit of 
limbo with Thor and Ivan as far as when they can get back to Lincoln. Uh, tell us where that's at right now and, and if Husker fans can expect that they're going to be back pretty soon. Oh, God bless Thor. Um, and so is, and is the uh, is the attire for Husker basketball this next year entirely going to follow what Thor wants to wear? Yeah, it's like they're going back to the 1810s for sure. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, we got word um, early this week that Nebraska felt they, they were starting to make plans for Ivan and Thor to come back. And so they've been overseas, obviously, since March. Um, and U.S. travel restrictions have essentially kept them there. Um, Ivan, I know in France has been able to work out quite a bit. Um, he's dropped like 20 pounds, 25 pounds. Um, that was on purpose. And he's, he is able to go to this gym that, um, it's like, um, I don't know if you guys have been to Omaha, uh, to the, like going vertical, um, or, uh, the factory here in Omaha, it's kind of like a workout facility for basketball players specifically. And it kind of seems like something like that. Um, in France that he's been able to go to, um, Thor, I know has been working out, but he isn't quite as, um, hasn't shared quite as much, uh, on, on social media, but because of the ruling last week, um, that international students will actually be able to take online classes on campus, um, that for whatever reason has opened up this portal in some ways, uh, for them to come back. So Thor and Ivan should be back, um, in Lincoln by the end of this weekend, I believe, um, and that, that's good. That means that everybody will, everybody for the first time will actually be under the same roof. Um, they won't be all work out at the exact same time, uh, but Thor and Ivan will be able to get back in the rotation of, of you know, practice essentially. And, um, you know, I'm sure they'll have to quarantine for 14 days as well. But it's just nice to get those two guys back because they, they, they've been here. They, they know what it takes. Um, they, they both really contributed last year. They can kind of um, translate anything that Fred or, Doc, specifically Doc, who sometimes <laughs> needs some tr- translation. Um, but he, they, they can kind of just translate for, for the new guys. And it, it's, it's a really positive step, I think, for, for college sports and for college basketball that those guys are able to come back. Chris Hetty from the Omaha World Herald joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, switching gears to football. Uh, Chris, today we're breaking down the backfield and the, on the offensive side, quarterbacks and running backs, um, previewing both of those positions. And we've already hit on how the experience there is going to lend itself to maybe just a, a little bit faster start than Frost has been used to here in Lincoln, uh, with Mills having gotten going late in the year, Martinez hopefully fully healthy, uh, and, and a lot of newcomers at running back who might be able to come help, and even uh, one or two of the guys who they got last year who may be uh, a little bit more ramped up. What are you expecting out of not only Adrian Martinez, the presumed starter at quarterback, uh, but the running backs as well? Yeah, um, this is a really interesting season for Adrian, and that's you know the understatement of the year. Um, I think he, I think what we have seen is two different Adrians, and I think that there's got to be a middle ground. Like there's the freshman year Adrian who was so le- so loose and so free and so quick and so decisive, and then there was sophomore year Adrian, and it was really hesitant, wasn't really sure, injured, slow. Um, I think that we're going to see a different Adrian as a junior. And I think, you know, that would go a super long way for that offense. Um, you've got a pretty good offensive line, got a handful of receivers that you, you know, feel pretty good about. Um, now the backfield that you bring up, I think Dedrick Mills is, you know, he's slated to have a really big year. Um, I think it'd be really nice if Nebraska started. Cause I mean, I think about the running back, I mean, even 
in the first two years of Scott Frost. I mean, who was the day one running back? His first was it Greg Bell? It, I think it was Greg Bell, the first and, first carry of the year, yeah. And then it ends up kind of being the Divine Zigbo year. Yep. And then year two, um, you know, first snap I presume is like Maurice, right? Like Maurice is kind of the guy. Yeah. And then by the end of the year, it's Dedrick Mills. And so this is kind of the first time you're right that you're going to have, you know, Adrian who's been there and done that, Dedrick who's been there and done that. Um, behind him is kind of where the question marks come, and that kind of seems like that's been the. Um, that's been kind of the same tale the last couple of years as well in the backfield. Um, this Sevian Morrison kid, I mean, I, I don't know if he maybe needs to add a little bit of weight, um, but he and Marvin Scott are two guys who they may not be great next year. They might just be pretty good, but I think you take pretty good and um, you run with it. Cause I think those two guys are the future. Um, Ramir Johnson, I think has a huge upside, but clearly there were reasons why he wasn't playing last year. Um, and that concerns me um, because we were hearing all the, all the things that you would usually hear about somebody playing after practices and then he's not on the field. And that to me says, okay, there's something wrong with the playbook. There's something wrong with the years. You hope that over the last you know 12 months, he's been able to hit the books and understand what he needs to be doing. And because he seems like, you know, a guy that you would want out there. Um, but at the same time, in the back of my head, I think, well, there's a reason why they're bringing in Sevian Morrison and Marvin Scott, right? Um, so I think for Nebraska, the, the better that Dedrick Mills does, the more that you can lean on him and you can get kind of a counterpunch occasionally from, you know, Ramir or, uh, you know, those two guys or, you know, even Wandale, um, the better that you'll be off, I think, because then you can, you know, get those guys essentially not redshirted, but essentially just getting a little experience. And then when Dietrich is gone, then you can kind of move those guys up. So I don't know. I mean, they also run quite a bit with Adrian and I'll be really curious if that'll continue. Um, particularly they ran him so much last year, even when he was allegedly hurt. Um, so if he isn't hurt, then does that mean they're going to run him even more? Um, and if he does, do you put in packages for Luke McCaffrey instead? because he's clearly a speeding bullet. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a nice mix uh, of experience, but, you know, kind of some youth. But that offense is going to be really interesting because I think in some ways they've set themselves up to be pretty good. You've got a lot of experience right up front, like I said. But, you know, how real, how good really is Omar Manning? Like, it, I, apparently he's very, very good, which would be fantastic, but we got to see it. Right. And you, know, you you need some of those younger receivers to step up as well to help out Adrian, to help out Diedrich. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that they're set up pretty well, but are they a top three offense in the Big Ten? I don't really know. Um, we'll have to kind of see it when it comes. So you're saying, Hetty, year three with this offense, there's still question marks and ifs abounding. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think I think in general, um, I would feel me personally, I'd feel much better if JD Spielman was still on the on mm-hmm. the roster. Um JD was arguably the most talented player on the offense, besides maybe Wandale, but I mean JD was gonna crush every single record uh receiving wise. Um I think that when I look at an offense and I think this is a this this is a well oiled functioning offense, it means that there's lots of weapons and there's lots of known commodities and I think that this offense still is going to have to rely on a handful of really talented players. And those really talented players can take you a long way. Wandale can do a lot for you. When Adrian's on, he can do a lot for you. 
And Diedrich's on, he can do a lot for you. But the reason why, you know, Scott Frost's Oregon offenses and UCF offenses were so good is you could plug and replace, and all of a sudden it was just some guy, you know, with a different, you know, some backup who was just as fast as the starter, and he's able to make moves and able to break off a 60 yard run. And I don't quite think that they're there yet. Um, but I think that they're building a stockpile that in maybe one or two years that they, they kind of will be. Really quickly, Hetty, we'll, uh, we'll get to the other side of the ball. A late commitment into the 2020 class, a top, another top three Juco, uh, for a defensive back. Where does Joseph slot in with the, the corners and the DBs and how much impact can he have coming in? What's going to be the end of July? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it only makes the secondary stronger. I mean, I think that secondary might be the best position group. Just corners, you know, nickels, safeties. I think they might be the best position group on the field for Nebraska. So you add this kid, um, it's only going. It's all. I, I mean, it only solidifies it. And so I think where he fits in, um, they kind of have a weird. I think Cam Taylor Britt is an astounding athlete. I think he's great. I think he's kind of an odd fit at times at boundary corner. And I think he's really good at nickel. So I think that bringing Joseph in, you put him at that boundary corner and you let Cam Taylor Britt do what Cam Taylor Britt does, which is just make plays in the middle of the field. Um, I also am curious too, where it may, you know, if he doesn't play boundary corner, you know, Travis Fisher likes to throw people around at safety and in corner and kind of move around. It just gives them more flexibility. Um, and so yeah, important pickup. Um, they would have been fine without him, but I think they're even better with him. Chris Hetty from the Omaha World Herald joining us here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Uh, Chris, we'll uh, we'll get you out of here on this one. As you uh, leave the World Herald next week, give me your favorite story that you had in your time covering Nebraska sports. Hmm. Favorite story. Um. I mean. I really enjoyed going to Ames and kind of doing that story on Fred Hoiberg and kind of doing the profile on him. Um, I really enjoyed profiling Mike Riley when I was in college, actually. Um, That was, I mean, I I ended up going to his office and getting 30 minutes and this was after three months of asking. I was like the last person to interview him. So I hadn't, you know, I was, I had tried to find something that nobody else had written and everybody else had written everything about Mike so we get 30 minutes and the minute that the 30 minutes come up, his secretary walks in, Hey Mike, and you've got another appointment. And Mike was like, okay. And I wasn't even like, cl- I'd been like three questions in. Yeah. So Mike turns to me and he was like, are you, are you done answering questions? Are you, you're not done asking questions, are you? And I was like, no. And he was like, how about this? Give me your number and I'll call you after work. You ask me whatever you want. <sighs> okay. And I also knew at the time that he was still working at, or he was still living at that embassy suites yeah. in town. So I was like, well, that, that sounds great. Do you still live at the MZ Suites? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, do you mind if I like have breakfast with you in the morning? And he was like, yeah, me and my wife have breakfast at 7 a.m. every morning. So I was like, okay, great. And so my thought was he used to drive, you know, he used to ride his bike to work. So I wanted to like walk physically with him to work like right down the street. Um, and he said yes. And so I got to do this story about him and his dad and coming to Nebraska and what it meant for his legacy and all these things. And that'll always kind of be special to me just because I, I mean, I was a you know, 17 year old, you know, college student reporter. And this is a division one football coach at Nebraska taking the time to give me that time. You know what I mean? Like he didn't have to do that. And I had, 
you know, cold eggs and styrofoam cup coffee with him and D in the morning. And he had two strawberry yogurts um, and a banana, I believe, uh, which is like, of course, that's what Mike Riley has for breakfast. Like that sounds about right. <laughs> um, so that that's one that I'll, that I'll always remember just because that was my first real exposure to a large division one name um, and being able to kind of take a sneak peek behind the curtain. And so that, that one will kind of, hold a special place in my heart too very cool well chris uh we uh like i said we always appreciate having you on uh we will miss you while you're gone but um i just want to leave you with one thing they had time to run wasp they did thank god yes uh, they did they yeah. did you guys do the, excellent work i'm so glad that nebraska fans get you guys uh to to talk and dissect us your sports I, i'll i'll miss coming on i'll obviously still be listening it's you know i'm going to be around a lot of purple um, and I'm gonna need. God to, bless you. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna need. Uh, I'm gonna need to find the the streams on the internet to listen to to you guys to kind of escape. I suggest a lot of time in Aggieville. <laughs> we are literally like a mile from Aggieville. It's be <laughs> there you go. It's be great. All right, Chris Hetty for the Omaha World Herald. Uh, his his own version of one last time right here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, Chris, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot, and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. See you guys. You too. See ya. Uh, Chris Hetty from the Omaha World Herald. That's uh, uh, I I really did like his uh his his high school senior superlative there. I have one to share as well. I was most likely to be in a boy band. Okay. Yeah. When do yeah. we start that? No, that's not that's not a thing that we're going to be. I've doing. got the hair to start it. We're starting it. No, no. We've got the beards. No. Nope. Kenny can get us the cameras. We're gonna get a music video up. We've got a man bun. We'll just not not what I heard. That Hetty did not. He he needs that was an unnamed source he gave us. I'm going to need him to name sources. I think he's pretty reliable. It, he is a very reputable source uh, of information. He in, is in the environment. And as, as we head to break again, big thank you to to Chris Hetty for coming on from the World Herald for one la- uh, one last time there. Yep. Before he heads down into uh, the purple and rock chalk areas where he'll be going to school, one of my favorite writers, regardless of topic, sports, yes. life, whatever. His uh, his features on Riley him when he went to Ames for Hoiberg. Love every minute of him. Yeah. Yeah, good good dude too, and um, I'm gonna have to keep texting with him on uh, Chiefs and Royals stuff because there's <laughs> not a lot of them around here, yes. and and he'll be closer to the action down there too. Exactly. <laughs> All right, plenty more to get to. Uh, we've got quarterbacks and running backs to preview coming up right after this here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Stick with us. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, fourteen hundred KLIN. K-Lion Husker Hour, rolling along here on your Saturday morning, the last Saturday of July 2020. Next week, it will be August 1st, and there will be uh, actual uh, fall camp having started by then, right? Or will we still be in the mini camp period? We'll still be in the mini camp period, but when you talk August 1st, not not Huskers, not college sports, but you talk the NBA is back, the NHL, Major League Baseball will be going on, you'll have the PGA Tour... Um, wherever the heck they are that weekend. Um, NASCAR on the Sunday on the 2nd. Uh, you've got the MLS's back tournament will be in the quarterfinals. Yep. If you want your American sports, they are getting there. WNBA begins this weekend as well. Yep. Oh, it's beautiful. Yes, and uh, we're hopefully going to be seeing some college football in about a month as well. Uh, and, and so let's continue our position previews as uh, as we've been doing all summer uh, the offensive backfield, quarterbacks and running backs. Just uh, real quickly, guys that they lost. 
Uh, you've got Noah Vedral and Andrew Bunch, two one-time starters, I might add. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maurice Washington and Wyatt Mazur and Jalen Bradley from the running back position. Mazur was a senior. Jalen Bradley uh, and Maurice Washington both transferred out. Uh, returning, you've got Adrian Martinez, Luke McCaffrey at quarterback, and then you got Dedrick Mills, Ramir Johnson, Ronald Tompkins, Brody Belt as a walk-on. Uh, and then newcomers Marvin Scott, Savion Morrison at running back, and Logan Smothers at quarterback. Uh, let's start with Adrian Martinez, Caleb. Uh, Chris Hetty just discussed uh, him with us and how important this year will be for him, uh, whereas you know his sophomore year was thought to be the year that he would maybe win the Heisman when he was third in Heisman <laughs> odds before the year, uh, didn't, didn't, uh, didn't play at 100% of health. Uh, if he's 100% healthy this year, what does that mean, do you think, in terms of win-loss record change? Uh, obviously, no, no, no non-conference record uh, to, to be had in 2020, but how much of an impact can that have on this offense? I think his health is worth more than just a couple of wins. When, when he's healthy, he's able to do things on the field, um, outrun guys getting into the backfield. Not that, not that this offensive line gave up many tackles for loss last year. I think they were last in the Big Ten for giving up tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. But it's when you have quarterbacks that need to get out of the pocket, that number can be even less. So his health is worth a few wins. And when, If we're looking at a 10-game season and the line is set at 3.5, his health is probably worth three and a half wins. Yeah. Um, so that that alone, right there, besides anything else that the rest of the uh, rest of the offense and defense do, I think this is a legacy year for Adrian Martinez. He's a two year starter going into his third year. There's obviously a great talent behind him in Luke McCaffrey. Logan Smothers sounds like the real deal. He's probably going to redshirt. Um, as our friend Brendan Stein likes to say, the wolves are at the door. You have to go do something. Yeah. If Martinez is healthy, he has a chance to make or break his legacy this year. Because what happens if, if Martinez doesn't have a good year? Say he is hurt. He's coming in as, I mean, a lame duck senior with all of that talent behind him. Is that talent going to push him out of being a starter as a senior? Those are a lot of questions there. So this year is important, not just for the team to do well as a whole, but for Martinez to keep his starting spot going through his career. And I know there are going to be some people that just go, no, it's it's Scott Frost's guy. He's not going to do anything to not have his guy back there. Scott Frost wants to win. And, and if, and if Luke, by the way, Luke McCaffrey and Logan Smothers are both Scott Frost's guy too. <laughs> yes, yes. These are all his guys now. Yes. Um, Noah Vedral was his guy that followed him from UCF. Yeah. So if you're going to say it's because it's, it's Scott Frost's guy, he'll do whatever he can to protect him. Of course he's going to protect him. These are all his guys. That's what you do when you're recruiting. That's what you do when you go in the, uh, in the homes. You talk to the parents. You talk to the guardians. You meet the grandparents. You say, I'm going to take care of these guys when they get to campus. These are my guys. Well, they're all his guys. Yeah. And Scott Frost wants to win. Hasn't hasn't had a winning year. Hasn't been bowl eligible in the first two here. He's he's the uh, the prodigal son come home. You have to start winning games. And if Martinez isn't doing that, there there will be a leash on it. There there will be the hook come in for McCaffrey or Smothers or someone down the road to take over. This is a legacy season for Adrian Martinez. Yeah, Martinez uh, was fifty nine percent passing last year, uh, nineteen hundred fifty six yards. 10 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Uh, that's that's not going to get it done. Uh, and, and so you hope that part of that is because he was not 100%. Yeah. Uh, and that he can change things this season being at 100%. But like you said, with Luke McCaffrey behind him and not having the red shirt rule uh, to, to, to hold him back, if you will, uh, he, he's going to be able to play more than four games. Yeah. 
I, I wonder if, if you have the keys to this offense, if you're Matt Lubick and Scott Frost designing this thing and you know that Martinez is, is looking good and he's good to go, and you see McCaffrey and he's good to go too, how much of this offense do you think they design so that you can get those guys on the field at the same time? How much of a package do you put together for McCaffrey in this offense? You have to design a couple of packages for McCaffrey every single game. I, I, would, I would think he's one of your athletes and it's a wasted talent if he's on the sideline. Now, he's we're not going to see him go out and play um, three, four, five series a game at wide receiver because now you're just leaving yourself up for him to get injured, take some other hits. Think about if uh, McCaffrey is coming across the middle like Spielman last year and taking those hits like he, like Spielman did against Illinois. Yep. You don't want McCaffrey taking anything close to hits like that. You don't want your fifth-string quarter. You, you wouldn't want Matt Masker to go out and take hits like that at any point in the game. So you're not going to do that with McCaffrey, but they do have to design packages, um, whether it's him at quarterback, whether he lines up at halfback and you run a speed option with McCaffrey and uh, and Martinez. You you give some different looks to where the defenses maybe aren't ready for it. All of a sudden, um, a play happens and a uh, let's just say Omar Manning runs out of bounds on, the, on Nebraska's sideline. Well, he runs out of bounds and there's some hand signal or something happens, and McCaffrey runs on. Yeah. And you go, okay, is the defense going to be able to adjust that quick for McCaffrey to replace our big receiver, and now you've got McCaffrey and Martinez both on the field? What what kind of quick things are they able to run in? Maybe it's just one or two plays, you get him back out. There's going to have to be packages built in for McCaffrey, because otherwise, quite frankly, he's, he's wasted on the sideline. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's switch gears to running backs. Uh, we've talked a lot about Dedrick Mills already today. Uh, Ramir Johnson was a guy who got a little bit of run last year, but not very much. Ronald Tompkins, who knows if he's able to play, uh, having come off of uh, a couple of ACL injuries before mm-hmm. in high school and then um, still recovering last year when he was a, uh, a true freshman. Marvin Scott and Savion Morrison joining the fray as well. We've seen Marvin Scott's build. He's <laughs> He's never missed arm day. Um, and, and Savion Morrison is, um, he's got speed to burn. Um, I, I feel like you're going to see a little bit of both of those guys if they pick anything up out of the offense. Yeah. Just to give a little bit of flavor because you're not going to see Wondell Robinson doing what he did last year, um, at the running back position. Uh, lest we forget, he had 88 carries for 340 yards last year. Uh, and three rushing touchdowns. He basically single handedly won the Illinois game for the Huskers. Yeah. Um, so not having, Wandale, you're going to have to lean a little bit more on Ramir Johnson, Marvin Scott, um, Savion Morrison to supplement Diedrich Mills as much of a workhorse as he'll be. Um, where, what, 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 what split do you think would be ideal for running backs, knowing that Mills can carry a bulk of the load, but you don't want to put too much on him? So I would think, and and we have to include, like you talked about, Wandale Robinson, what's that going to be? Because he's not going to line up back there, yeah. but he is going to get touches. Yes. They, they, you have to use your play. It's the same thing with Luke McCaffrey. If Wandale Robinson is just on the edge, you're wasting his talent. You have to get him the ball in a multitude of ways. So I think a, if we're looking at splits, you start with Wandale and you say, he needs two to three touches out of the backfield a game whether he's coming through jet, whether he actually lines up back there and gets it on a toss. Two to three a game, I think, would work for Wandell. Now maybe there's a game where he gets six or seven or something. Things are working well. Um, Elante Brown, another receiver, I think Elante will end up redshirting, but he's a Wandale-type athlete, 
And I think in his four games that he would play, you want one to two touches back there. Find a way to, because he's lightning quick and he's shifty. Now those are your receivers. What does it look like with just your running backs now? I'm going to want 80% plus of the touches to be Dedrick Mills. 80%? At least 80%. Okay. Because um, he's going to be your workhorse. What do things work when you start filling in those couple of other guys? I think if you're looking at splitting up the other 20% of just backfield touches, I'm probably going to want 15% of that to be split between Savion and Marvin Scott, and then the rest of it to be Ramir Johnson, depending on how things are going. Where where does all of that fall? Because your quarterback's going to run the ball too. Yeah. But I think if you're looking at just running back touches, I'm wanting Dedrick Mills 80 to 85% minimum of the touches out of the backfield. All right. I, I think that's a little steep, uh, but I, I see your point. I mean, he's obviously reliable, and he really could carry the load late last year. Um, just as So he, he ended up with 745 yards rushing, 143 carries, mm-hmm. 5.2 yards per rush last season. Um, he had his best work towards the end of the year against some of the best run defenses that Nebraska faced. Uh, the Wisconsin game, of course, 188 yeah. yards, which was more than double what they were allowing by on average, uh, and that was the tenth game of the year. And Ryan um, Held said on Sports Nightly, a lot of that was because he where he came from, mm-hmm. being at Georgia Tech and primarily pretty much lining up at fullback yeah. essentially, to getting into the Nebraska offense, which has a few more bells and whistles. You're not just trying to run down someone's throat. The cuts he was able to make in that Wisconsin game and going down the stretch. He figured out the offense. Yeah. What, what does that do with an offseason now that he's got to figure it out a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. and his, uh, as far as the carries went, he had 15 against South Alabama, uh, but then he had 17 against Wisconsin, uh, was kind of sick against Maryland, didn't yeah. play very much at all in the second half, 12 carries still, uh, and then against Iowa, 24 yeah. carries uh, for 94 yards. Also against Iowa, he was a big part of the passing game. He had four catches, uh, which was his season high, and 34 receiving yards. Uh, so he's going to be, I think, a little bit more a part of that, although he won't have to be this year because he was maybe a part of the pass game last year in that Iowa game by necessity just because they were without Wandale against mm-hmm. the Hawkeyes uh, and they didn't really have anybody else left. But he's he's shown that he's capable of doing it, and I think that's important. But to your point about 80%, I think if that's the number, uh, that's that's fine if he's producing. I just think you're going to be able to spread it around more than that if you get more, uh, if you get the young guys ramped up quickly, if Marvin Scott or Savion Morrison can figure out this offense right off the bat, then that's going to be a good thing because they're more inclined to get those catches out of the backfield, especially Morrison, yeah. I think. And and if you can have uh, a little bit more uh, of Mills in spots where he can excel, then you're not having to put him out there in a situation where. Uh, and we see this all the time with the offense. Play to your strengths and not to uh, and not to your weaknesses because you saw last year with the wide the 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 wide screen passes that didn't seem to work real well with the personnel that they had. Uh, and and so if you have personnel that better fit what you want to do, not necessarily just the wide screen passes, but just passing <laughs> the backs out of the backfield. I think those younger guys are more suited for that than Dedrick Mills is. He's more of a give me the ball and the handoff. Uh, let me pound it between the tackles. Yeah. Maybe I break a 43-yarder like I did against Wisconsin last year. But um, I would say if you're more in the 65 to 70% range for Mills, I think that's the good spot because that means those young guys are contributing more. 
than than you maybe thought they would or as much as you hoped they would. Um, last thing before we go to our next break, um, surprise at the backfield position, quarterback or running back, who's your surprise this year? Ooh, uh, surprise, I will say that as from all the guys we talked about, I think Brody Belt ends up with more touches. Uh-huh. I think Brody Belt ends up with more touches than we anticipate. Okay. Um, even with those freshmen coming in, uh, just a sophomore, but Held said that Belt has the chance to be what would be the next Wyatt Mazur. Um, and now you don't really, when you go through the walk-on program and he, he's out of Millard West, you don't want your walk-ons maybe when you bring in some really touted running backs. Yeah. But if you can have a guy come in and produce and give you a few touches every game and be reliable when he has those touches, work some on special teams as well. Missouri catching those uh some of those pop up kickoffs yep. <laughs> and saying just hang on to the ball. Yep. I think Brody Belt's gonna be our, our surprise for the offensive backfield. Okay. I'm gonna go with Savion Morrison. Um he broke uh some of Spencer Tillman's rushing records <laughs> yeah. oh, in Oklahoma. Man. Uh, Breaking any records in Oklahoma out of the backfield is good. Yes, yes. Um, and, and so I, I think, it, like I said, as long as he grasps the offense, he's going to be able to have an impact, um, the running game and the passing game. Uh, and, and let's hope that they can just so that you can give Mills a little bit of time off uh, from, uh, from the workload. All right, that's the running backs and quarterbacks. Next week, our last position preview will be linebacker. And then we're on to fall camp. Uh, we'll hit special teams a little bit here and there before. I know special teams, we're not going to talk about them, but it is an important phase of the game, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we're going to hit the main positions and then uh, get to the good stuff in fall camp, hopefully. Uh, all right, back to wrap up the show right after this here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Uh, plenty more to get to before we go. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. All right, back to wrap this thing up, our last segment. Uh, if you missed any of our chat with Chris Hetty or our breakdown with the quarterbacks and running backs, uh, you can always catch up with your favorite KLIN Husker Hour shows on the podcast page at KLIN.com. Head to the Facebook page at KLIN Huskers. You can watch us. Of course, there's a lot of ways to to follow the show. Um, let's, uh, let's hit on a couple things real quick. I mentioned there's a transfer out. From Nebraska football, because of course, what would a Saturday be without another transfer out? Yeah, uh, Joey Johnson, uh, he's a sophomore middle linebacker from Gretna, was walk on. Uh, he's transferring out. He hit the portal uh, as of uh, yesterday. And then uh, baseball, a little bit of news there. Uh, verbal commit from the top player in the state of Colorado mm-hmm. yesterday, Dylan Carey. Uh, he's an infielder, uh, and uh, he's he's uh, committed to the Huskers. Own the state and take the region. That's right. And I think I think that's what we're what we're more gonna, of the same from Will Bolt. Yeah, just Will Bolt doing Will Bolt things. Also on the baseball side of things, Kyle Perry, uh, pitcher, underwent Tommy John surgery this week. Uh, lefty from Millard South, playing for the Fremont Moo, which first of all love that name. Um, five and two thirds innings is all he'd pitched this summer. Had eleven strikeouts. Tommy John surgery. So yeah. he he, uh, if you look at kind of the timeline for what that normally takes, could be back for the spring. Well, could the the yeah, the following spring, yes, this next spring, for Tommy John, yeah, seven months, seven months. That's what it said. Oh, I thought it was longer still. No, it's uh, there's there's been a lot of advances in in surgical procedures overnight apparently. Yeah, I, apparently I wasn't paying attention. Um, uh, some <laughs> other news, and we do need to mention this. All of our thoughts are with uh, Team Jack, na- uh, father of Team Jack namesake Andy Hoffman. He announced this week that. 
He had been out for a run near their hometown of Atkinson, had a seizure. The MRI showed, as he said in his social media post, a massive brain tumor. Um, they're at the Mayo Clinic figuring out a game plan to go forward. Um, in the about a decade since Jack, his son, was diagnosed with cancer. Jack's now beat it twice, by the way, but yeah. Team Jack Foundation has raised more than $7.5 million for pediatric brain cancer. A lot of folks in Andy's corner, and we are going to have the Team Jack uh, Radiothon next month. Uh, we'll, we'll be a part of that here at KLIN as well. So all of our thoughts with with Andy and the entire Hoffman family, um, as they have been for about a decade. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I, I can't agree more. It's a tough break for a family that's had some tough breaks, but hopefully Andy can pull through just like Jack did. Um, then uh, one uh, one other thing that we wanted to hit on, uh, we've, we've kind of touched on how sports are getting back every single show this uh, this summer, and this one will be no exception. Uh, you get you had a chance yesterday to talk to Dr. Chris Cradiville, uh about how things are progressing. What did he have to say? Yeah, the UNMC doctor is the chair of the Big Ten Task Force on Emerging and Infectious Diseases. He said uh, that it's the trend lines that they're watching. There's a number of metrics, hospital capacity being one of them, but a big one of them is the positivity rates. They don't like where that trend is going. NCAA President Mark Emmert came out yesterday and said they don't like where that trend is going on the positivity rates. Um, and, and that's... He said, and this is the thing I liked that Dr. Cradiville said, that they are motivated by what they're passionate about, and they're passionate about sports, and that's going yep. to continue to drive them to figure out what is the safest way for sports to return. So that entire conversation up at KLIN.com as well. And we can't close, we can't get to the end of the show without talking watch list season. Oh, yeah. we got to talk watch list. Yes. And you begin at the uh, the beginning of the week, the Horning Award Watch list, Wandell Robinson. I think he's the favorite for that. He's the only returner of the final four it's of the all, finalists. All-purpose award. Yeah, the all-purpose award, the most versatile player in college football. Um, Adrian Martinez, as we've talked about him in the backfield today, he's up for the Maxwell Award, uh, one of 90 there. This is his second time being named to that list. Obviously, we know how last year went. Uh, possibility for Martinez to do well there. And then you've got Ben Stilley on the Werfel Trophy watch list that's for community service as well as play um a number of things a number of factors go into that one yeah so uh good for them uh all of them are uh, on those watch lists and we'll probably have a couple more next week as well um we we touched on this earlier with michigan state the entire football team uh the entire football program is is under uh under quarantine for 14 days uh two staffers and one student athlete tested positive uh, and so they they just shut the whole thing down. Um, I don't know what the fallout will be from that, Caleb. But I, I would I would maybe even see um, something from the Big Ten possibly trying to uh, maybe take a couple of practices out of the schedule for other teams so as to not have a competitive disadvantage or uh, maybe even citing player mm -hmm. safety on the Michigan State side because they wouldn't have as much time to get ready physically. Uh, that, that That's an interesting development. Hopefully not going to be something that continues. Hopefully that's the only time where we see the entire team have to shut it down. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's not a good sign. Uh, and then also um, in the NFL, uh, last night the Chiefs starting right guard, who is also... Literally a medical doctor, yep. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, announced that he's opting out of the 2020 NFL season. Uh, so far, the only NFL player uh, to publicly announce that he's going to opt out. Yeah, when it's uh, when it's someone who's a, a medical professional doing that, that uh, raises some eyebrows. Royals only one game back on the division. Yeah. Their rival across uh, I-70. 
And Brady Singer gets the start, his Major League debut today. There we today. go, yeah. They got a lot of young pitching, and uh, yeah, the rest of Major League Baseball better look out when the Royals are contending deep okay. into July. Cardinals undefeated end of July. Let's go. All right. Go Birds. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, DBs, no, linebackers, linebackers is our last position preview. We'll have that next week. Go Big Red. Wear a mask.